Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast, the podcast community for living your best life and creating a more beautiful world. Each episode, we inquire into the frontiers of inner peace, love, freedom, creativity, and empowerment with authors, artists, musicians, healers, spiritual teachers, yogis, activists, revolutionaries, entrepreneurs, comedians, scientists, psychologists, poets, mystics, and you. These conversations are unedited and always 100% authentic to how they happened. I'm your host, personal coach and author Brian Piergrossi. I've worked for over 13 years with thousands of people around the world to break through unconscious limiting belief systems and bring healing, transformation, and inspired manifestation to those who are ready and interested. For online personal sessions with me or in-person sessions with me in the magic of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, contact me at thebigglow.com. The sponsor of this podcast is you. If you appreciate our community, become a patron supporter at patreon.com slash the big glow. Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi podcast. That's me, Brian Piergrossi, very special guest joining us today. Joseph Aldo. Welcome, Joseph. Thanks. Good to be here, Brian. And it's interesting, like, I feel like when people ask me what I do, it's a bit challenging to, to respond. I actually probably give a little bit different answer every time, unless it's some, you know, cocktail party or something. But if it's someone that I actually feel is interested in the question. But, and I, the same thing for you. It's kind of like, what do you do? How would you answer that question? Yeah, it's a really, really tricky question because it's so abstract, because healing is so abstract, because it's very unique and different for each person that shows up. So, you know, just like you, I have to really communicate to each person differently depending upon where they are, where they're at in their healing process and consciousness, you know, and understanding the process of healing. Like, it's really, it's really a moment by moment, person by person kind of conversation. But, um, you know, in general, what I would say that I do is I work to get to the causal level of what is creating dis-ease in someone's body, mind, spirit. Mm. And basically give people the tools to help them within their own lives become their own authority and how to understand what is perpetuating their suffering so that they may ease their suffering and they may go to a place of balance and neutrality. Fantastic. Yeah. And the way that you've come to this place is what I was saying earlier is much like me, do your own personal journey, right? So you and I both had uh, illness in our past and chronic illness and moved through that and sort of discovered the way through that first and foremost experimenting exploring within ourselves, and then sharing what we discovered with others so why don't you share um what what has your journey been like with health and illness and what we could call disease right yeah yeah um i think on some i was always a really sensitive kid very hyper aware of my environment, of other people, of other people's emotions and feelings. So I'm what's called an empath and an intuitive. And so I feel like because of that sensitivity, I absorbed a lot of emotional toxicity, psychic toxicity from my environment very early on in my you know, crazy Italian family with so much drama. You know, I didn't have a core, clear core sense of self. And, and you so, grew up in New York City? Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. And so without having a clear sense of self, <clears throat> it's so easy to lose oneself in one's environment and think 
that I am everything that's happening around me. So my emotional and psychological state was very much chaotic. And by the time I turned 20, I was a sugar addict because that was my way of dealing with all of the internal pain that I was feeling. And I don't even know if it was even my pain, to be honest. But by the time I turned 20, I made a mess of my body because, you know, this body doesn't process sugar that well. And so by then I was full of parasites and fungus and digestive problems and depression because sugar can really lead to a lot of emotional ups and downs. So by the time I turned 20, I was good and unhealthy. And um, by the time I turned 25, I started having a lot of symptoms and chronic fatigue and just like not a functioning, properly functioning digestive system. So I had to really begin to study about the body and understand what all these symptoms were that I was having and then deconstruct and change my diet, study Ayurveda, study homeopathy, flower essences, tissue salts, detoxification. I mean, I went to all these fields first and foremost to study about my own health because I knew if I went to a doctor, I wasn't going to get the correct information because all they have is drugs and surgery. But in the field of holistic health and medicine, there's a plethora of information. But one really has to understand one's own body and constitution to really be able to affect significant change in one's body. And so I did, I did definitely consult many different healers and um, like naturopaths so that they could explain to me what was happening. And it took a good 30 years, 25 to 30 years to really get this body into, you know, order. But it wasn't just the body. Then I started going to a, through a dark night of the soul. Like, you know, it's enough to have physical pain and suffering. And then now you add the spiritual and emotional and psychological. So for a good amount of time, I was like in bed, just trying to understand like, what is this life all about? And why all of this suffering? And, you know, fortunately, I'm blessed with really strong intuition and inner guidance. And so I would have my, my inner voice communicating to me and saying, it's all for a purpose later on in life. So just ride the waves. And I'd say, well, how long am I riding these waves for? Like, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years. And it'd say, yeah, soon, soon, just, just keep riding the waves. And, you know, you know, I love that term soon um, or be patient because in the other realms, there is no time. Yeah. And it's not about my timing and when am I going to be done? It's about being with the process, really being with the healing process. And it happens in nature's time. You cannot speed up healing because you cannot skip any steps, I realized. So at a certain point, I just surrendered. And I said, okay, fine, I'm just gonna lay here until you tell me what to do and give me the guidance. And then each day I would hear exactly what to do and I would just follow the guidance. And that really strengthened my connection to what I call the invisible realm. Angels, archangels, masters, and masters. I just like, I just call on whoever and say, I really need help today. What can I do? And it really fostered a level of trust in the emptiness, in the, the void, and, and allowing that, that space to be filled with, with inner guidance. Well, I'm really touched by what you're sharing because it so parallels uh, my journey. Uh, it's kind of like a confirmation of my journey. So a few things stand out. First is what we call SAD or the standard American diet. You know, I was grew up on that too. And it became clear that on a certain level, like, okay, well, that's, that's a killer. Like that's, that's, that kills us, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. Um, so there's a journey of kind of understanding nutrition and understanding um, what we put in our body and how it affects us. Um, and I also grew up, you know, for myself with standard Western medicine and these doctors knew all the answers and you go to them and they, they cure you. And I became sick with what we were calling chronic fatigue syndrome. And 
these doctors, they didn't know what was happening, didn't know what was going on. They all labeled it something different. They all wanted to give me drugs. And I just became very disillusioned. Like, well, this, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I, I have to find the answers with myself. Um, so this, so that started the journey for me. And then um, this, this mind body connection, right? I, I wasn't, I didn't grow up conditioned that I thought, you know, your thoughts won't affect your body, your body, it's two different things. They're not two different things at all. In fact, even right. to say mind and body isn't even, it's one thing. Right. So that was a huge, that was a huge revelation on my journey. Oh, what I think actually affects my body and what's happening in my body affects how I think. And it's, you know, so, so then I turned more into the level of consciousness, the conscious being the root of the body. Um, and then the last thing you're talking about really hit home for me, which is this um, sense, I think the turning point for me was almost like a, we could call it like a profound humility of this yeah. sense of like, I just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, I have to, as you said, surrender or let go. I have to just, you know, and that's when something new entered. Yeah. Right? And I think that's really important for people listening because people can get in that space and think that, oh, what's, this is so terrible. It's, it's actually, you're on the cusp of something amazing, you know? If you just allow it, allow it and, and don't fight and don't resist. And, and, you know, this is this, the spiritual awakening or the spiritual yeah, journey that opens up. And, and that was to me looking back and I think it's the same for you, right? It's, to me, it's like, well, that's why all that happened. All that had, it was, it was God's source spirit nudging, pushing me to awaken to who we really are. Right. That, that path of suffering I've learned is not something to be avoided, but something to be embraced. And so, you know, we all have a soul purpose and a soul agenda before we incarnate. And so everything that's happening is part of how we are here to fulfill our soul's purpose and to contribute back to humanity. So all that I went through, all that suffering definitely served a huge purpose. And that purpose is to, is to give back and to be of service right now, because I understand the mechanism of the body in such a way now, because I went through it, that there's no way possible I could have understood by just reading a book or, or, or studying texts. You know, there is a process that we go through because the body is multidimensional. It's not just a physical material substance. It's actually mostly space. And so if the body is actually mostly space, then it's consciousness that's running the show, not the cells. The, the physicality is, is secondary, not primary. Consciousness is primary. So our state of consciousness actually creates our physicality. And so the, the point of suffering to me is the process of dissolution of the false identity that we come up with. And when we're growing up, our ego creates these coping mechanisms and defense strategies to survive life, which is intelligent to do so because you have to survive in a family. For example, if there's abuse, you have to find a way to make yourself small so that maybe you won't be seen to be abused. But then as we get older, we have to now deconstruct all of these mechanisms and strategies that we employ to survive life because we're not here to survive anymore. We're here to thrive. And so it requires us to now backtrack and then go into our subconscious to see what are the programs, patterns, beliefs that we're running that are really sabotaging our life, our health and creating disease. And so the process of suffering is actually like an earth, an inner earthquake, a releasing of aspects of ourselves that we don't need anymore. And so in this culture, we do everything we can to prevent suffering, to prevent sickness, to prevent disease. And for me, the disease part of the process is actually an important one because it's initiatory. You are in a sense dying to an old part of yourself. But when we're always being told to, you know, like you have chronic fatigue syndrome, so take these meds to stop it. 
yeah, but why do I have chronic fatigue? Well, we don't know, but take these meds. Right, right. But it, it's a symptom. So yeah. what is my being telling me that I'm always tired? And then you're, and just, you're just continually masking the symptoms. So it's almost worse because the actual core issue isn't being addressed. And so it exacerbates more and more and creates more symptoms. It's just this, yeah, this, this so, uh, so that, chain that reaction. Chronic, right. And that chronic fatigue is a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Say you go into a job that you hate in an environment that's not working for you energetically, your body's going to get more and more tired because it does not want to get out of bed and go to a job that it does not want to go to. So that is information that shouldn't be suppressed, but should be contemplated. And so in holistic medicine, every symptom, which Western medicine will consider a disease, like chronic fatigue syndrome is a disease. It's not, it's a symptom but it's a a complex of symptoms. And so in holistic health, we look at the whole picture. How are you feeling? How are you thinking? How's your digestion working? How are you sleeping? All these components are very, very important to getting to the underlying cause of what is creating this symptom and how how do we reveal how do we understand the psychology, the sub-psychology of what's going on so we can help this person come back to a place of wholeness? And generally, there's like trauma involved in there. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the background that has to be unraveled, like pulling a thread of a fabric that needs to just keep, keep being pulled until this, this other picture becomes exposed so we can say, oh, I had no idea that memory from when I was six years old is in the background. And then that comes up and all of a sudden the body starts to shake. It starts to release because that's the nervous system, the fight or flight nervous system that's caught in this cycle that didn't, wasn't able to complete the circuit. And a lot of illness revolves around old traumas that never got to be resolved. So healing is so much more complex than just like doing tests on a body, finding out what's the germ, you know, what is the pathogen. What's the corresponding drug. Exactly. Yeah. That's all they got for us in orthodox medicine. It's really not, you know, to be honestly, it's, it's really not any different than the drug dealer on the corner. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very similar process if they're wearing a white coat, you know, but you tell them what the symptom is. Oh, I have a drug that will make you feel better, you know. But you're 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 just avoiding the actual root issue. But I love what you're um, I love what you're sharing. I think it's so important, and I think um, it's so important this time we're in now, right? And and I think we've kind of um, one of the reasons we bonded a deeper connection is because this feels like it's an important message in in what's happening now with the coronavirus and the way it's being um, handled. So how, what would you say about what's happening with the coronavirus and the, the best approach to it um, mm. for health and healing? Well, first I want to say to your other point of like doctors being yeah. drug dealers, uh, they wouldn't, Western medicine wouldn't exist the way it does if we didn't all as a collective want a quick fix. Yep. It's so much easier to go to someone else and say, doctor, tell me what's wrong and give me a pill than to change one's diet, one's lifestyle, to exercise more, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. It's yep. really much easier. So I don't fully put the blame on doctors at all, but we're all creating these systems together. And the more we wake up and start to explore deeper our you know, the complex system that is this human body, this human psyche, this human being, um, the more we start to look for alternative ways or maybe even traditional ways of healing. And even Western medicine is opening up to all of this more and more. Um, so, you know, that is a good, that is a very good sign. In terms of what's happening now, you know, Western medicine operates in a specific, through a specific lens called the germ theory. So all disease arises from a germ, a pathogen. And the goal is to isolate that pathogen and then kill it somehow or fight it. 
And that is basically one way of dealing with something that is a very minimalist, not minimalist, reductionistic actually, way of perceiving um, existence and life. And so here we are in this state of, you know, coronavirus, and we're being told we have to do all these things to protect ourselves from a germ. We have to social distance, isolate ourselves, stay home, basically hide from a, you know, a germ. And the reality is germs are ubiquitous. They are everywhere. They're, we are mostly germs. We are more non-human cells than human cells. So in a way it's saying like, I'm a victim of my own reality of my own existence and that the the only thing that's real is that the outside world is something antagonistic to my inner reality and i have to fight it like a war using hand sanitizer using masks using all of these substances or techniques to protect me from some boogeyman in a way and you know, from the very beginning, I was totally unconcerned because I understand how the body works. And, you know, we have what's called an immune system, which is our sense of inner authority. It's our boundary. And the immune system, when it comes in contact with the germ, it knows how to deal with it. And yes, some of us will get sick and some of us may die, but that's no different than anything else in existence for thousands of years. You come across something and sometimes you can't handle it and sometimes you can. Most of the time you can. And what's genius about the immune system is that it knows how to handle it and then also handle the transformation of these germs because they're always changing, right? So you can isolate a virus, but then the next moment it will shift so what are you going to do? You're going to produce a vaccine or a substance that's going to fight something that's continually transforming. The only thing that can handle a continually changing agent is the immune system. It's Which is so, also a continually changing agent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so that's why the microbiome, which is a big conversation these days, you know, we understand that we need to have a cellular structure within our digestive system that is imbalanced. So when anything comes in, it knows how to codify like, oh, this is this germ or this is this virus, this is this bacteria. But we know in this, you know, computer microbiome, we know how to deal with this because we are an intelligent being, an entity. But of course, some people are going to have weaker immune systems and they need to be on hyper alert for when things come around like, like coronavirus, for example. But you can't really put everybody in the same you know, category because we're all so different. Some of us have really amazing immune systems and you know, a virus will come and go when we don't even know about it. Others will have, you know, you know, symptoms and will lay in bed for a week perhaps. But is that a problem? Like, is it a problem to get sick? Because to me, after every sickness I've encountered, I've been stronger afterwards. So again, in this medical model system, according to the germ theory, you want to avoid at all costs getting sick. So you're gonna do something prophylactically like getting a vaccine or getting a flu, um, a flu vaccine, for example. But, you know, why not just get the flu? What's, what's wrong with getting the flu? It's an inconvenience, yeah, and it doesn't feel good, but every time you get sick, you're gonna get stronger. What doesn't kill you gets you stronger. It's so true. So, so yeah, that's, that's my perception of, you know, it, you can't really hide from a germ that's everywhere, inside of us, outside of us, there's nothing new about this virus because there's, there's nothing new in the world. Everything is in existence and it exists inside of us. It may be new to our awareness. That's different, but it's not a new germ or a new virus. It's just 
something that may be in our awareness right now. Yeah, a couple of things st stand out to me in what you shared. One is this idea of like, we have to fight the virus, we have to fight the virus. The way I see it and the way I hear you saying it, it's more of like not fighting the virus or whatever it is, this foreign body that we're perceiving, um, but to integrate it, come into harmony with it, yeah. right? So that's, and that's one thing. And then the second thing, the point about, you know, getting sick makes us stronger, makes us stronger physically. And I think also important to, to share is it makes us stronger spiritually, right? It, it, it brings us to other level of our of evolution of our consciousness. And it's a, it's a gift in that way. Um, so to be able to, to see that as well, which of course, WHO would never talk about that, but to be able to understand that, that that's, that's what this process is. It, it just, you have a whole wider perspective on it, expanded perspective of consciousness. Yeah, the humility piece, you know, that to me is what happened in all those years when I was ill. I finally stopped fighting, trying to get better. I finally stopped seeing it as a problem when I was going through and saw it as a spiritual unfoldment. And when I did that, when I changed my perspective, all of a sudden something happened, just like you were saying. Yeah, this paradox. Yeah, it's like, it isn't good, but it's good. It doesn't feel good, but I know there's something at the end of this dark tunnel. And so I, I, the ego dissolved because it, it, it couldn't figure it out. It couldn't win the fight. It couldn't find an answer. So it just started dissolving and unraveling. And that's when the humility, being humble, you know, bowing and going, okay, I, get, I give up. And um, there's something going on here that's beyond the me that I think I am. This identity of Joseph at that stage in the game and, and who I thought I was, he had to dissolve in order to let what I call the upgrades and the downloads come through of, you know, the death of that limited self is the, is the birth of the higher expanded and consciousness self, like the soul self, which has so much experience from, I mean, thousands of lifetimes and experiences. The soul is filled with wisdom that is kind of encapsulated and doesn't get to come through this personality unless there's an opening. And that opening happens through dis-ease in a way, through the cracking of our identity, through the, through the release of the holding on to who we think we are and what we think life is about. Ultimately, what I came to is the contemplation, I know nothing. I have no idea what's going on with me. I don't know what this world is about. I don't know who I am, what I'm here to do. So I'm going to just sit in the emptiness and wait until something arises in my consciousness that gives me a clue as to what to do. Just give me a step. Just give me a morsel, a crumb of a direction to move in because I am clueless. And that dissolution process took a good 25, 30 years. It's only recent, like maybe in the past four years that I feel like I know nothing. And in knowing nothing, I have access to everything. That is no small task to get to this place in consciousness. Because I used to try, when I used to work with clients, I used to try so hard to help them to heal. And one day my inner voice says, you are interfering with people's lives step out of the way. And I said, I don't understand. I, I am the holistic healer, the intuitive. I, and they're paying me a good amount of money. I've got to get results. And I hear, no, you don't. You didn't make them sick and you're not here to make them whole and healthy. That's their job. You're here to hold space for them. And that space holding is profound and allows them to receive the revelations but it also allows you to receive the accurate guidance for this person because you're not interfering with trying to help someone. And that day, my work and my life completely changed because I surrendered yet again at a deeper level of thinking something is wrong with this person and they're suffering as opposed to 
this suffering, just like my suffering, is going to lead them to the truth of who they, who they are and the connection to what's true inside of them that they may become their own inner authority and are not seeking outside of themselves for the truth with a capital T. So the, the capacity to do what I do today, which is eons beyond what I used to do 20 years ago, like it's night and day. And I say to people, I don't, I don't do anything anymore. I don't, I don't have to try when I'm working with people. Information just drops into my consciousness and through the field of energy, like when a healer is, a healer to me is someone that's gone through many levels of initiations. They've had to die to their own delusional, illusional self and the illusions of the world. They've had to die to their limited perspectives, to what happened to them in the past, to their wounds, to their, to their you know, lack of forgiveness. All of that has to be gone through within oneself to be what I call the true healer who can hold space for someone else. And in holding space, the field of energy of the healer has the capacity to truly support the other person's energy field and to catalyze transformation just through the presence, not through a doing, but through presence. And presence is the greatest healer of all. Well, you're speaking my language, as you know, I fully resonate with everything that you're sharing. I think to me that a, a huge component of this is the spiritual awakening, the self-realization. We have a lot of different words for it, you know, um, enlightenment, spiritual liberation. Um, a huge component of it is this recognition of what we could call oneness or unity consciousness or everything being of the same essence. Right. And I think that that realization totally reconstructs, how we see everything, um, including how we see viruses, germs, bacteria, um, you know, the, the kind of the way that the, the predominant medical worldview is like still this, the end, this is the enemy, we must destroy the enemy. Um, but you, when you wake up to this consciousness, there's really only, everything is only really you and reflection, reflection of yourself, right? Yeah. So there really is no enemy. So then it's just befriending, integrating, whether it's a virus or it's a psychological aspect of yourself or it's some part of yourself you think is bad or evil or you're ashamed of or you feel guilty about. No, bring that to the light and there's divinity in that, like there's divinity in everything else, just like there's divinity in a virus or a bacteria. Right. And then it becomes part of your superpower, right? You integrate it. It becomes an integrated, harmonious part of you instead of something that's separate from you. So it feels like the real journey is Anything that feels like it's separate from me, how do I integrate it and harmonize it that is part of me and it's, you know, becomes part of my superpower? Yeah, I call that process integrating the shadow. Yep. And to me, any virus or bacteria is a shadow aspect, perhaps. And if we get sick, then that is our journey to go through. And then in going through it, we have revelations, realizations, we release something, perhaps toxins. I mean, you get a fever, the body is burning something up inside. So it's a very catalytic, important process to have a fever. And from my understanding, it should not be stopped. It should not be interfered with, unless it gets you know, way beyond uh, a certain temperature. But otherwise, let, let the intelligence of the body do what it does because it knows, it is natural, it is vital, it understands how to deal with whatever comes its way. So yeah, the, the, the ultimate goal to me is to achieve unity consciousness. It's interesting you said that, that phrase, because that's the one, we've never spoken about this, but that's what I write about all the time, unity yeah, consciousness. Yeah. So I, here we are, you know, we are tribe that is for sure that we have these similar terms because we're just getting the information from, you know, higher consciousness anyway. So we're all one yeah. in that field mm -hmm. of oneness. So as you were saying, it's true. There is no outside. That is another contemplation. Everything is a reflection of me. So if I am in harmony with my environment, then nothing is going to happen to me. But if I live in a fear-based paradigm, which is, how Western medicine operates. There is something out there that's going to get you. 
be afraid, be very, very afraid. If you live in a fear-based paradigm, then you are always on hyper alert of something coming your way that you have to protect yourself from. That paradigm, that way of thinking creates a lot of stress on the immune system. There's no relaxation in our fight or flight sympathetic nervous system reaction. You're always in this place of what's next? What's next? When's the mm. next going to drop? What's going to happen? And so here we are in this culture now in a continual state of stress, not knowing what's going to happen that is totally allowing us to be susceptible to many issues, both physical and psychological and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so somehow we need to use this time to go more inward and to find our own inner authority and our own inner voice and become attuned to that guidance to say, okay, what do I do today? How do I deal with this stressor? How do I deal with this virus? Should I be concerned? Should I do something? Should I take some herbs to strengthen my immune system? What do I need to live and thrive in this reality today? And it behooves each one of us to really um, come into that core aspect of ourselves and become the inner authority because more and more we're going to be told what we need to do to support the collective, to support someone else's health, you know, wear the mask for somebody else. And so we have to have the inner authority to know, well, does this serve my highest good? Does it serve my highest good to get a coronavirus vaccine, for example, if they come up with it? And so the inner authority knows what's best for each one of us. Some people may want it and think it's, that's the, the solution. Others may be, no, this body, this system does not want that. So this, I find that this time is a great opportunity to do a lot of reflective work and contemplative work and to get to know oneself better and step into a place of calmness and relaxation versus reactivity. A mm. couple really, I think so, something really interesting to me is a few things. The body has this intelligence, right? You've, you've discovered that, I've discovered that, other people have discovered that. And this intelligence knows more than the thinking mind. Right? I think that's, that's what's happening right now that's so fascinating is that this Western paradigm of medicine, the, 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 the political landscape, the institutions, the thinking mind thinks it knows more the intelligence of the body and has all these ideas. Oh, I've read all these books and I have all these studies and I can use all these, you know, multi-syllable words. And right. I, I've, it's been fascinating to me this journey the last few months is um, you have people that are very educated, you know, they have a lot of degrees and they read a lot of stuff and they're reading stuff online all the time and have a lot of knowledge, but they're not connected to this intelligence that you're talking about. So they really have yeah. no clue what they're talking about, but then they, they have this arrogance. They think they do and they want to tell everybody how it is and everything. And then I've encountered these people, um, people that work with their hands, people that are kind of like working class people, people that are connected to farm farmers, people are connected to, you know, live in the mountains. Yeah. These people are not that knowledgeable as far as academics or books, but they have this more of an intelligence that they just have common sense. You know, like they, they get this conversation <laughs> that we're talking about. Yeah. It's, been, it's really been fascinating how, what's happening. And so it's like, okay, not that there's anything wrong with having a lot of information or knowledge. It's great, but it's, can, it, can it be secondary to this intelligence of the body, which is more of a mystical thing? You don't understand it with your mind. You just, you learn to trust it. It knows what to do. Trust it knows what to do. I had, a, um, I had poison ivy um, a couple weeks ago out at Lake Santilla. I got mm-hmm. poison ivy. Yeah. And um, I didn't do anything. There was definitely discomfort for a couple of days, but the body knew how to heal it. And now it's gone. You know, right. if I would have thought with my head, how do I do it? What do I do? I never would have been able to figure that out. You know, so just, you know, trusting that intelligence, right? That seems like such a big uh, message right now for us to, to access and tap into as human beings. Yeah, I am so with you. The, the vital force 
is the healer. That's it. And that's nature inside of us. So what happens is we go into the sphere of the intellect and we disassociate from the body. We think that science and intelligence is everything and we lose capacity to understand the body's wisdom and it's the information it's giving us through many subtle cues called symptoms. And so today everything is like, well, let's see what the, the scientists say about this and let's see what the authorities say, but, but what does my inner authority say? What does my, what does my body tell me um, is true and um, accurate? And it's, it's called an inner knowing for me. It's just an inner knowing. Like I go into a, a restaurant or a food store and my body says yes to that, no to that. It's a different level of intelligence that's operating. Um, and not that it's better than the intellect per se. It is different than the intellect. And I think we need both the left and right brain capacity the mind and the body to operate in sync, to operate as a teamwork and not just dis, you know, like say, oh, that's just nonsense because what empirical, what, what, what scientific proof do you have for that? And I will say, I don't need scientific proof. My body is the cauldron of transformation of alchemy and I trust it implicitly because of my 30 plus years of going through transformation. I have learned to listen very intently to the information my body has to tell me. And it is um, so fine tuned at this point. And I think many people have this capacity, but it requires you from shifting from the intellectual to a feeling state from the intellect to an intuitive place. And it's very spatial, it's very feminine. It's not this linear uh, perspective, but a very um, open, amorphous, moving, spatial. It's, it's very abstract, but I am very intellectual. I've written numerous books. I do lots of research. I have a very strong intellect, but I also have, have an equally strong um, intuitive and sensitivity and empathy. And fortunately, I have merged these two. They are balanced. They're married. So nothing happens for me. Like if I can't confirm my intuition generally, I tend to hold off until I get, you know, some some like intellectual con like like. I need to know on all levels, this is the right decision. So I use both my intuition as well as my intellect to make decisions, both for myself and my clients. So if I get a remedy comes into my mind, that's the intuitive piece. Then I open up my, my books to see, is it in alignment with what the, the symptoms of this person? So I think this split that is happening between the mind and body uh, is what's creating a lot of this disassociation and lack of common sense for people today of when we're being given guidance to do something. And many of us who are like very embodied uh, and empathic and intuitive are like, that totally doesn't resonate. How could you even consider that that is the truth? And, and this beckons us to like question, what is the truth? How does one come to the truth? And how can one trust the truth and and where are we getting it from and is it different for each person so this is a huge topic for me of you know like when the who or cdc comes up with these guidelines and it's like yeah that's not my truth at all and and the collective says oh we must do all this because these authorities have told us to do that and again i'll say but they're not my authority this is not my authority speaking because my authority says, for me, that information is absolutely incorrect. But if they deem something is true and enough people believe it's the truth, then it becomes the truth. 
not that it's the truth with a capital T based in reality with a capital R, but if enough people believe something, it becomes an entity of reality in this reality. And that's a little abstract of a, ter of, of, of a conversation, but it's so true. Enough people believe something and all of a sudden, whoosh, it's, this is it. We all must do this. Mm -hmm. And there are those of us that are like, this is not the truth with a capital T because we know it because we've lived through it. We've been initiated to know this is not based in ultimate truth, but I understand and recognize it's your truth. It's the collective truth, but I'm not on board with it. I'm not on board. And this is the tricky territory that we're in now because so many of us are embodied and are connected to our inner authority. And then there's a whole collective that is not and that follows the status quo, you know, authoritarian. And so how do we find common ground when there are so many different perspectives and here we are living together as one large community of beings? How do we find, how do we find harmony and resonance in the midst of such paradoxical ways of perceiving and thinking? Hmm. Yeah, it feels like this, this way you're calling the intuition is an intelligence that's of the moment, right? So you're being like, you talked about food, like I can, I'm present, I know, you know, well, this apple is the one for me, not that apple, right? right? And like, kind of, you know, our whole life starts to be that way of like, we're, we're the, being present, the intelligence informs us in the moment. And, you know, I'm feeling, yeah, what is the, and it's like, well, yeah, if we can support people, create the space for people to access that, then they will, they will come into everything that you're pointing at. And this other part, this other component, this accumulating knowledge and um, study is also, as you said, it's, it's, it's valuable. It's great. Everything's great. Everything is a part to be integrated and harmonized. Totally. But it's not the leader. It's not the. It's it's not to squash this other component. To me, the other component is actually the, the, the most important, and then the other one's a secondary component that supports the the other component of the intelligence of the moment, the presence, the intuition. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a catalyst here. You know, perhaps because we were, we were kind of talking the other day, like how do we get out of this thing? You know, and yeah. perhaps as this track we're on continues and i think it is happening more and more people are kind of like what is happening like something's not right yeah you know, i don't get it like i don't you know you start to kind of wake up the more absurd it becomes um and it's easier now than ever to your point about you know kind of manipulating what's the truth on a collective level like on a global level it's easier now than ever to do that you know with the social media with you know um, WHO and CDC and you know we're at this place where as you know like YouTube and Facebook and other social media um, companies have banned people who's who are giving health advice that doesn't that is not the same as the WHO things like give vitamin C give zinc you know things that are like <laughs> it helps you with your health so yeah. we're in an interesting time you know, and all these things are coming like to a head to be addressed and to be, to come to the surface for us to be, to deal with. Yeah, and I think the key so is- So what do you see? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, I think the key, no, what, the key is not to fight, to fight any systems or any information per se, but to hold a space of neutrality and the observer and like, so for me, my favorite statement is, that's interesting, or that's curious. <laughs> like when Fauci said to start wearing goggles, which when they told us to wear masks, <laughs> you know, they told us to wear masks, I'm like, well, what about the eyes and the ears? You know, you can't just put it on your nose and mouth yeah. without considering the eyes and ears. And sure enough, he says, everyone should start wearing goggles. And I don't see people wearing goggles, but I see this whole plastic mask thing around people's heads now. The shield, there's a shield now some people shield. are wearing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just go, oh, that's interesting. I don't, I don't have reactions. 
the key is to live in the new paradigm, right? The, the, so there's a fear-based paradigm, and then there's a love-based or what I call the miracle-based paradigm, where things happen almost miraculously in your life, almost coincidentally. You say something and it tends to happen. And so I tend to live more and more in this love-based, miracle-based, all-embracing, embracing everything paradigm because it's the paradigm of unity consciousness because there is no separation in reality. In, in the central channel, in unity consciousness, there is no separation. Yes, we are in a world of duality. There is you, there is me, there is others. We have separate bodies, but what holds us all together is this unity consciousness. Consciousness is all pervading. And each one of us vibrates at a particular state of consciousness, which generates the reality we are experiencing. So it's like the biology of belief. Whatever we believe becomes our energy field and our energy field attracts to us exactly what we think, feel, and believe is reality. So as soon as we shift our consciousness, our external world changes to reflect that shift in consciousness. So we move from a fear-based paradigm to a love-based, a miracle you know, paradigm. Then we start to see things flowing with so much greater ease and grace and almost like, holy map, this is amazing. And I'm in, I am continuously in awe in my life, like a child. Like I know everything's gonna work out because I've been living this way for so many years, ask it and is given. And yet at the same time, I'm always in awe at how quick things materialize and manifest, how fast people heal when I work with them. I'm like, your, your illness is gone? Like, how? that doesn't make any sense in third dimensional reality. But in the greater paradigm of unity consciousness, it makes total sense because things change in an instant. So I live in both, of course it happened, and in awe that everything has happened the way it's happening. So I think the key to becoming the authority in one's life is to stop reacting to the external world, to pull in all the energy and to embrace everything that's coming our way. Like just embrace everything and absorb it, integrate it. It's all shadow, right? integrate whatever it is that's coming our way and then we become the transformers we become the tool of transformation on the planet because this being this body is multi-dimensional it is not just a physical third dimensional five sensory entity it is multi-dimensional multi-faceted and it has the capacity to transmute energy like nobody's business and so when we can embrace everything coming our way and accept it and love it. And we don't have to agree with it. We could see it for the illusion that it is per se. But when we don't fight anything, then we ingest it and we transform it through our consciousness, through our heart, through our love. And to me, this is the key of how to move through this with grace, ease and speed. Because any resistance we have to anything perpetuates that which we're resisting. Any resistance we have to anything outside of us perpetuates the existence of that which we are resisting, and it gives it all of our power. We do not want to give our power away. We need that power for helping this body operate in total health to support the vital force in being strong. So we wanna pull in all of our cords of energy that are going out to defend our perspective. I'm right, you're wrong, there's a wall of armor. It takes a lot of energy to keep this wall of armor up, to keep you away from me. Thank you, it's a really, really important point. I mean, the way I think of it is giving our attention to what we want, not what we don't want, what we want to create, not what we don't want to create. And yeah, the point about what you resist persists, grows stronger. Um, and there's a lot of people that are um, 
waking up to there's things that are happening in the world that they don't like on a whole variety of levels. They don't agree with, they don't, they don't resonate with. And there's, you know, the sense of like, we have to fight it. We have to push back. We have to, you know, protest. We have to make a stand. We have all this energy. And like, I see it as you see it as like, actually, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> not only do we not have to, but you're actually, you know, if you're anti-racist, you're creating actually more racism. I mean, I know it's a shocking statement to a lot of people, but if you're against war, you're creating more war. If you're the war on drugs creates more drugs, all these things perpetuate the very thing that they're against. Whereas it seems counterintuitive at first, but if you can just stay focused, I mean, there's definitely things that come in my consciousness throughout the day, especially nowadays that there is this instinct to, you know, to push back against, but the more I can become aware and just focus on what do we want to create? I love the, the paradigm of love and the paradigm of miracles, right? And yeah. then what, the, the next level is you, you put your attention there. I'm, I'm putting my attention on the paradigm of love and the paradigm, I'm not putting my attention on this other stuff. This is what I'm creating, right? That's that inner authority, that inner that you're talking about, inner authority. This is what I'm creating. This is what I'm focused on every day. Then the miracle is you, they just start to show up. People that like you and like me, that resonate on the same frequency it's like oh you're an ally we're we're creating this together yeah. oh how fun it was it was it's more fun to create with other people than by myself you know yeah so if you're listening to this like if you stay on this path people will arise it may seem like oh i'm the only one in my town or in my city that looks at things this way but if you stay on this path people will arise that are your allies that are coming to your aid that want to create with you play with you you know, creating the universes, new worlds with you. And so that's what it feels like is exciting right now. Is like, what do we do right now? People ask me, what do I do? I'm seeing some of these things, what do I do? It's like, focus on the paradigm of love and of miracles. And you will find those of like resonance and you'll start to create this new culture, world, civilization together. Yeah. And it already, for me, it already exists. True. Yeah. Like, it's not that I have to go there or I have to create it. It's just a slight movement to that, you know, from, from like the resistant mind or the creating otherness with our mind to the unity of our heart. It is, it is a shift in consciousness within us that allows us to reside within this quote-unquote new paradigm that's not a new paradigm. It's simply a paradigm that exists if you are in that mindset. I'm not sure if you ever saw the movie. It was a book written by James uh, Redfield. The Celestine Prophecy. Exactly. The movie, The Celestine Prophecy. Um, I, don't, I can't remember much of any of the movie, but there was one part in the movie where they're both running away from the one, the perpetrators that are trying to get them. And the one guy says to the other, whatever you do, don't go into a state of fear because then they will see you. Mm. They were so close, but they were not, neither of them were visible because they were in a different frequency, which was a frequency of love. And the guy said, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm afraid they're going to get us. And he said, just don't go there, just hold love. And he couldn't. And he became visible, but the guy right next to him, his friend, yeah. did not become visible. That, that, opened up my consciousness in a way that completely shifted my reality and helped me to see that like I can avoid perhaps accidents, catastrophes, many things simply by holding this level of consciousness. And actually I have many stories of something that almost happened to me that even almost killed me. And in the last moment, something stepped in miraculously and just like pushed me aside and the, the, I didn't die. Like numerous times this happened to me. And I would sit there in the car and be like, I have no, no way to explain to anyone how this just happened. And fortunately I had a friend in the car. We both looked at each other and I'm like, did, did you just see that? And she goes, yeah, that was amazing. So I have, this direct experience of like something stepping in and miraculously protecting me, protecting friends, protecting the situation. 
And that to me is an example of what happens when we live in this new paradigm is that something unfolds that's beyond third dimensional five sensory understanding that allows us to not only survive, but almost be like superhuman, like to thrive in a way that is beyond my mind's understanding. That's why I say I live in awe so much in my life because I'm amazed at how things unfold with grace and ease because I don't go to the place of struggle or I can't do this or how's it going to happen. I just don't live in that place anymore. I live in the knowing that I live in a perfect universe and that everything's going to work out with grace and ease beyond my understanding. I have no idea how it's going to happen. And that's how my life, you know, is lived. And it's so much more fun than struggle. I can tell you that much. So much more fun. And then I pass yeah. it on to my clients. I pass on that same, whatever it is that's going, that I've developed inside of myself, I pass it on and, and I can do like months or years of therapy in an hour with people because everything is quickened. It also depends on the person's capacity to receive that they have that quickening happen as well. So some people like I've heard about you for years, but I knew I wasn't ready. And then they come and they're like, holy mackerel, like, that what happened in one hour is beyond understanding because it's not third dimensional, it's multi-dimensional, it's multifaceted. So many things are happening at once and that's what's available to us if we are open to receive it. If we are open to go beyond the intellect and drop into the body, into the intuition, into the feminine, into the sensitive, into the non-rational, it's a huge leap for some people, for others, it's like, oh yeah, I, I can totally do that because they're more connected to that part of themselves. Beautiful. What's um, something you'd like people to hear that they haven't heard yet or get that they haven't, it hasn't been shared yet and um, how do people um, learn more about what you do and what you share? as well your work in terms of what i'd love people to hear or know is to do research about how the body works because people know more about their car than they do now about their own body right oh yeah i've got to get an oil change every three thousand miles or every three months like that is essential well what about cleaning your liver the filter of your liver every you know six months you know every fall and every spring do you do that? Like become intimate with this body that you're living in so that you can understand how to take care of yourself when simple symptoms arise. Um, check out Ayurveda, which to me is a brilliant system of healthcare and medicine. Just study the basics of Ayurveda because it really gives each person the information for their unique body because every body operates differently. And Ayurveda gives you the tools and techniques to truly understand yourself in a way that is quite beautiful and subtle and clear and makes total sense so that when symptoms arise, you know, oh, I've got to like decrease this type of food, increase this type of food, et cetera, et cetera. So study about the body, do research, um, uh, read about Ayurveda, Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra is a great book. Um, have a team of healers that can help you to really understand your issues and yourself more, uh, much more. And in terms of knowing what I do, you can always go to my website, www.josephaldo.com. Lots of free stuff, you know, the 12 universal laws and, and, and um, spiritual, the 12 universal laws and spiritual principles, as well as the seven contemplations. Those are two things that are really helpful tools to help one evolve in one's consciousness, as well as the cutting cords meditation that you can get if you just sign up for my newsletter. But also, um, I wrote a book called Holistic Healing and the Shifting Paradigm, which essentially gives you the basics of a lot of the tools that I work with and the distinction between the... Um, the germ theory versus the terrain theory. 
Mm. So it's a lot of very good, useful information, very succinct. I'm a succinct writer because I don't got time to read. So I know people don't have time. So I put it in a really clear, succinct way so people can get it and then they can explore whatever they feel like they would like to explore. So, uh, yeah, that is essentially like what I'd like to, to offer people. And yeah, take a flower essence workshop when I teach it because that is a great tool that can shift one's consciousness instantaneously in the moment for any acute issues. And it's saved me in my transformations in these past 25 years, truly helped me to evolve in ways that are beyond the beyond. Mm. Well, I love what you're sharing. I love that you're here in this world mm -hmm. in the same time okay as me and sharing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Brian, for, uh, for being you and all that you do and sharing all of your wisdom with us all. Um, it's so grateful. I'm so grateful to have a brother, uh, a tribal member who speaks the same language because, uh, yeah, we can just, you know, chat it up and really be in agreement and in resonance and it's so nice to have you in this world. Amplify it out. Totally. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi podcast is produced by Brian Piergrossi, assistant producer Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T H E B I G G L O. O W dot com.